Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Friday, December 21st. And uh, I got to say, first of all, my pointing spots changed. I'm in a different room. And I was like, where do I point? It was a a whole mess. Been very difficult. Um, Look, I want to say, please give me patience. I have a ton of life changes happening right now. I'm kind of a mess all over the place. If you can tell, I moved. I'm in a different room. It's difficult. I just, all I ask is I, please bear with me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I know the show has not been as consistent as I would like, um, but I, I promise we're, we're almost through the thick of things and then we'll get through it and it'll be great on the other side of it. Incredible stuff is coming ahead. I can't wait to share with you guys. I can't yet, but we're close. Uh, so please just bear with me a little longer. We're almost there and I promise consistency will return again to the podcast. Um, <clears throat> Man, where do I start? I had a, I had a, I don't know. I, I just, I had such a busy day today. I, I, first of all, I went to Beaverton, Oregon, which is already kind of a crapshoot. Beaverton, Oregon, full of cars. It's a mess. I hate driving there. Uh, and then I went, not only did I go to Beaverton, I went to the Beaverton, well, the Nike employee store in Beaverton, about an hour from where I live. And uh, man, bodies everywhere, tons of people. I have never been, let's not say never, but I don't like big crowds. I've never enjoyed that. And so I, I really did not enjoy this. Imagine yourself driving a cart through tons of people. You're getting knocked on the arm, the leg, and people are bumping into your cart. You got to wait for people. Do you understand this feeling? You ever felt flustered when you're around just a giant group of people? Maybe you're in traffic. Maybe you're walking at the supermarket. Tons of people everywhere. For me, I, I don't enjoy that at all. And that feeling, if you understand that feeling, that feeling perfectly describes Jared Goff and his struggles recently with the LA Rams. Jared Goff is the Rams quarterback. And the last three games have not been great for Jared Goff. They're one and two. They beat the Lions. It was really ugly. The Rams lost to the Bears and they lost to the Eagles. And in the fight in the last three games of the season so far, Jared Goff has had a 54% completion percentage, which is far lower. It's, he's normally his season average has been 64%. In the last three games, have not he's not been pretty at all. He's not played very well. He's had one touchdown and seven interceptions in the final in the last three games. A lot of people stats will say that Jared Goff has thrown six interceptions in that time. The truth is, he had two against the Eagles. He had one against the Lions, four against the Bears, and then two against the Eagles. He had one where he threw on a comeback. He had another. I think people might have ruled it as a fumble. I watch the tape. I see an interception. He, he fumbled, picked it up, started to throw again. It landed in the hands of another person. That is seven interceptions in the last three games for Jared Goff. And uh, why? Why did that happen? It, first of all, it sounds really bad. You hear seven interceptions, you go, oh no, Jared Goff is not playing well. I, I will say there's something you need to know about it. Against the Bears, Jared Goff had an interception right before halftime. He threw a Hail Mary into the end zone and got picked off. He also threw an interception on the final play of the game on fourth and ten. So it's not as bad as it really sounds. Jared Goff, it's bad. It's not good. But Jared Goff is not, it's not give up on Jared Goff overnight. But what have we learned from Jared Goff? What has he been struggling with? What's going on? Why has he played poorly in the, final, in the last three games? We've learned that Jared Goff struggles when bodies are around him. When you make the pocket shrink. When Jared Goff's getting hit, legs are hitting him, arms are hitting him. He, may not, he might get sacked. He might not get thrown to the ground, but bodies are touching him. The pocket is condensed. Jared Goff struggles. Let's imagine that. Legs, arms, everything. Maybe you're getting hit as you throw, maybe not. But your feet are not clear. There's people all around your feet. And when Jared Goff has pressure like that, again, not necessarily getting hit, but pressure, bodies around him, his mechanics fall apart, his accuracy falls off a cliff, his decision-making gets worse. That's what's wrong with Jared Goff recently. In the last three games, he struggled with that, with people around him in the pocket. The bear, It started with the Lions. The Bears made it worse. And then I think he was seeing ghosts against the Eagles. He didn't get hit as much against the Eagles. But you could see it's like a psychological thing. Something was going on in Jared Goff's head. He didn't look comfortable at all. I told my dad in high school, this is nerdy, it's weird, but it's true. Playing quarterback is like trying to do ballet while wolves are biting at your feet. You got to remain calm, composed, do your thing. 
but people are trying to kill you. People are trying to rip your head off, and you can't lose composure. Jared Goff, that's this is not a good sign for Jared Goff. Uh, it's it's if I'm you look at the Super Bowl chances for the Rams. If Jared Goff is seeing ghosts and struggling with people around him, that's not good because the farther into the playoffs you get, the more physical football becomes. The more you're going to get hit, you're going to get knocked down. To me, I see Jared Goff struggling in the pocket with getting hit and people around him, and I say, not a Super Bowl team. That's that's what it tells me. I love Jared Goff. I like the Rams. I love Sean McVay, but he's got to get this. He's got to get over this. If, if he doesn't get over this, the Rams are not going to win the Super Bowl. They do not have a chance. You look at the Rams right now. They have the 20th ranked defense, which is, does not bode well. They have a solid coach. I love Sean McVay, but their offensive line is struggling, and now their quarterback is struggling, and that those things combined, that's not a Super Bowl winning team. The Rams might be 11-3. and three. I think they're going to finish the year strong. I think it's the Cardinals, and then I believe they play the 49ers in Week 17. That, that's, a good, that's a good way to end your season, maybe on a high note. But if Jared Goff is struggling with bodies around him in the playoffs, he's not going to win a Super Bowl. He's going to get hit. He's going to have people around him all the time. And at that current state, a team like the Rams, with Jared Goff struggling, you cannot beat the Chicago Bears, and you will not go to the Super Bowl. If Jared Goff continues these struggles again, you need a good coach. You need an offensive line. You need a defense and you need a great quarterback. And the way Jared Goff is playing does not show me that the Rams have a great quarterback capable of winning a Super Bowl. Okay. We have a great show today. I am really, really excited. Um, I don't, I don't, maybe that's not the right way to put it. I I'm happy about three topics. I have three topics. I feel really, really good about. I have a couple other topics that are really just, preemptive notes so I do breakouts of every episode I film for an hour and then the full hour goes on YouTube and then I also put out like you know three minutes ten minutes three minutes on certain topics I put them out on YouTube I think this episode's only going to have three breakouts we're going to talk about the New England Patriots we're going to talk about Nick Mullins the 49ers quarterback and then what you just heard from Jared Goff and the Rams quarterback though those three topics are what I want to share but later in the show we're going to go into Tyree Jackson I have been watching some of his film. I haven't finished all of it, so I don't feel comfortable making it like the definite Tyree Jackson film review. I don't feel comfortable with that. He's a quarterback out of Buffalo. We will talk about him, though, later in the show. Uh, We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, kind of a couple teams I think have a chance, a couple teams that do not have a chance. We'll talk about Jim Harbaugh, and we'll kind of highlight the week. I think we have a really interesting week of football in Week 16. We have a bunch of teams that are probably playoff teams playing each other and a lot of ramifications from those games. We will go through all of them later in the show. But at first, I want to start with a scenario. Actually, first I had to drink water because that's, am I talking quickly? I don't know. Uh, it's my crutch. Like, so for me at, at college, I'm home now. When I was at college, it was great. No one's listening. No one cares about my show. Here I have, you know, my brother right down the, the row playing, you know, PUBG. It's like, oh, I don't like that he's listening. It's weird for me. I don't know why I struggle with it, but it is a real thing I do. I'm, I'm like, have stage fright for no reason. It's like, dude, you do this show. You put it on the internet. Why does publicly, like, why is it harder to record publicly? I have no idea, but that is the honest truth. So <clears throat> I want to start this segment with a scenario. Imagine you're late for work and you realize right as you leave for work, you're late already oh crap, I need to stop and get gas. So you stop for gas, you're at Chevron or Shell, I don't pick a place, I don't really care. And there's a giant line. And this is the only gas station you have. You have to go to this gas station. There's a long line of cars. And that makes you even more late for work. It compounds the problem. Who do you blame? You're late for work. You get to the gas station on a long line, it makes you even more late. Who do you blame in this scenario? You can blame the car. Well, the car didn't get me there fast enough. If the car was faster, I would have got to work on time. Or do you blame maybe the traffic or the line? You go, oh, the long line of cars, it's the line's fault. There shouldn't have been so many people. Well, it's absurd. You wouldn't blame the car. You wouldn't blame the long line of people. You blame yourself because you created this scenario. You were irresponsible a long time ago, and that caused you to be in this situation right now. You created this problem. So the New England Patriots were a mess early in the season, and they created a problem. Their mess was that they did not have any wide receivers. 
So what the Patriots did, the Patriots made a last-minute trade for wide receiver Josh Gordon. Said, we'll go get him from the, the Cleveland Browns. Maybe that will solve our problem. And uh, if, if you know the news recently, Josh Gordon did not solve the Patriots' wide receiver problems. In fact, he left the New England Patriots. And then after that, the NFL suspended Josh Gordon for an indefinite amount of time for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Let's go back at the history of Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon was dismissed from his team in college, from Baylor. He had trouble with the Browns. He's had issues documented all the way back until middle school. He's had problems with drugs. And uh, it's, first of all, it's really sad what happened with Josh Gordon. I, I have been around addicts. I've been around people. I don't, I'm assuming, right, that's the problem he's dealing with. I'll read you the quote that Bill Belichick gave in a minute. But I've been around people that have had those issues it's sad. If this is what's going on with Josh Gordon, I, I feel for the guy. He's quoted saying mental health issues. Uh, again, the league <laughs> the league suspended him for violating substance abuse policy. So my guess is probably drugs or something like that. I don't want to assume, though. I don't want to shed Josh Gordon in a worse light than he deserves. But here's what Bill Belichick said about this. I'm going to read a quote. Bill Belichick said this. It's obviously an unfortunate situation. And personally, I hope and wish for him the very best, as we all do on this team. He's made a statement. The organization made a statement. The league has made a statement. I've spoken to him at length over the last three months, and so I don't really have anything at this point to add to that. It's a private matter, and I hope that he's able to deal with it successfully. So Bill Belichick basically said, look, it's a private issue. There's nothing more I can say. The league made a statement. The team made a statement. Josh Gordon made a statement. And all the statements basically said he's leaving because of mental health. Uh, so look, I respect it. I, we, I don't want to pry. I don't know. I, I like what Bill Belichick said. But here's the takeaway. The end result is this. The Patriots are back to square one. They have the same problem now that they started the season with. The Patriots still do not have a marquee wide receiver. And you don't want to say the Patriots have no wide receivers. They just have inadequate wide receivers. They have Cordell Jones and Julian Edelman, who's not a bad wide receiver, but he's not a deep threat over the top. They have Chris Hogan, who's, again, not a problem. Safeties are not afraid of Chris Hogan running deep. I don't know. Here's the problem without having Josh Gordon. You watch the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a play where the New England Patriots ran play action, threw the ball 15 yards downfield over the middle to Josh Gordon. The reason why Josh Gordon was open is because the safety over the top, safety in the middle of the field, had to respect Josh Gordon's speed. And so he backed way off. It allowed a, va- a vacated a space in the middle of the field. Tom Brady threw a deep dig, I think, like for a 19-yard gain. Without Josh Gordon, the Patriots have nobody to affect the way safeties play. Which means safeties will not give as much of a cushion. Everything on the field is going to get tighter and closer to the line of scrimmage. And there's nothing the Patriots can do about it. It will be easier to stop the run against the Patriots. Their passing game is going to get even tighter. The windows are going to shrink and get smaller. New England's going to greatly suffer because of losing Josh Gordon. There's nobody for safeties on defense to respect. It's a big deal. It's going to hurt the running game, passing game. Everybody's going to struggle. Remember Rob Gronkowski, the old, <laughs> you know, the... the once Pro Bowl tight end Rob Gronkowski is not in himself. He's struggling. His play is declining. He doesn't look like the same athlete he once was. Weirdly enough, Julian Edelman is the best remaining wide receiver. He's been dropping a bunch of passes. It's uncanny. There's The Patriots have a really big problem at wide receiver. Who is to blame? Again, is it the car's fault? Is it the gas station's fault? No, it's the person who created the problem. Who created this problem in New England? Why do the Patriots not have any wide receivers? I hate to say this, it's Bill Belichick. This is Bill Belichick's fault. Tom Brady does not have the help he wants. Everyone wants to say, Tom Brady's old. This is the reason why the Patriots are struggling. It's Tom Brady's age. He's declining. You've heard reports for weeks. Um, It's very lazy to blame the Patriots' struggles on Tom Brady's age. It's the obvious story. Like he's 41 years old. Everyone would say. Tom Brady's really old. That's the problem with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Watch the Steelers game. 
Watch the Pittsburgh Steelers Patriots game. Tom Brady has, he moves really well in the pocket. He's sliding. He avoids the rush. His arm is fine. He can make every throw. He's got a better arm than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Better than Colt McCoy. Better than Josh Johnson. Better than Nick Mullins. Guys who are starting in the NFL. Tom Brady has a better arm than them. I saw only one instance where you could even attribute that to Tom Brady's arm not being strong enough. There was a play where a wide receiver broke open late on a corner out. Beat the, he broke the def, he, uh, he ran right past the defender, so there's no one behind him. Tom Brady was late to the throw. He tried to hitch and throw the ball like 45 yards into a really tight window way downfield. And lo and behold, he missed because almost nobody can make that throw. Like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, that's probably it in the NFL. Like maybe Cam Newton. I don't know. Pick a guy who has a huge arm. Nobody over 40 could make that throw. And Phillip Rivers couldn't. Drew Brees couldn't. Tom Brady couldn't. Big Ben couldn't. It was a throw that's almost impossible. So my point is this. If that's the one instance you can point to where, oh, look at Tom Brady's arm. It's declining. You go, nobody in the NFL can make that throw. Like Patrick Mahomes, that's it. My point is this. Tom Brady's arm declining is not the issue here. His age is not the problem. The problem is the issues with the Patriots roster. I don't know. Don't tell me Tom Brady's old. Here are the problems with the Patriots. And look, the Patriots are in a bad place. Their defense is struggling. They do not have a number one wide receiver. There's nobody to challenge safeties downfield, which means that everybody, the field's going to shrink. Safeties that used to stand 12 yards off the ball will stand eight yards off the ball. They're not going to backpedal as quickly off the line of scrimmage. They're going to help in the run game. Everything is going to get tighter for the Patriots. They are going to struggle on offense because they're missing Josh Gordon. They don't have a number one wide receiver. Here's what's even crazier. This is what I did not expect to be a problem with the New England Patriots. I watched the Steelers-Patriots game, and you would expect going into the game, you think, okay, the Steelers are kind of a chaotic organization. They're always talking about their coach, and there's always drama everywhere. You go, it's the Patriots. The Patriots on the other side are buttoned up. They're organized. They follow the rules. They're straight-laced. If I told you one of these two teams had 14 penalties— the Patriots or the Steelers, you would say the Steelers clearly screwed up a bunch. That's what would have happened. I mean, this is the Steelers are the team that a couple weeks ago stopped the Chargers on fourth down and got a penalty allowing them to kick another field goal and win the game. This is what you're dealing with in Pittsburgh. However, it was not the Steelers that struggled with discipline. It was the New England Patriots. Against the Steelers, the Patriots had 14 penalties, allowing the Steelers 106 yards. It's awful. This is the worst place the Patriots have been in years. They're not organized. Their defense is struggling. Their offensive line is struggling. They don't have a wide receiver. Their quarterback is old. I love him, but five years from now, he's not going to be playing. The Patriots organization has never been as in bad a place as they are right now. We've seen the roster. We've seen the problems of the Patriots already begin to affect Tom Brady. I'm going to make an example real quick. You'll understand it in a minute. I uh, I work in the film industry. I work for television networks. And I, I grew up loving photography. It was a big like thing I used to enjoy a lot. And I was around a lot of photographers. And what you will often see in with amateur photographers is they'll take a bad photo. And they think if they edit the photo enough they can make it into a good photo. Oh, I just need to add more contrasting colors. I need to shade this and add a, a vignette and do all that stuff. And I'm sorry to tell you, if you have a bad, crappy photo- photograph, you can't save it with editing. It's, if you edit it a bunch, it's still a bad photograph. Now it's just a bad photograph with a bunch of editing. Tom Brady's trying to save the bad Patriots roster by doing a bunch of stuff. He's forcing it, and you can't save the bad roster, no matter who you are. I want to highlight two uncharacteristic plays from Tom Brady in the last couple weeks. Actually, I want to pause that for a minute. If you remember, Sam Darnold in college had a ton of interceptions. There was a big, big deal. Everyone said, how could Sam Darnold have a bunch of interceptions? And here's why I didn't hold it against Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was playing teams that had better athletes than him and were better coached than him. Sam Darnold was overmatched. So to make up for the discrepancy, he had to take a lot more risks. I mean, you think USC, Ohio State a couple years ago was a fair fight? No, Sam Darnold was greatly outmatched. 
So I always defended Sam Darnold. I said, look, his interceptions are not a big deal. He's dealing with lesser talent. He's still doing that with the Jets, by the way. This is why he's throwing so many interceptions. Yes, he's making mistakes. But he's also taking unnecessary risks. Actually, I would say maybe they're not unnecessary. He's taking risks to help his team because they are outmatched. Not only did Sam Darnold do that, not only does Sam Darnold still do that, apparently Tom Brady's doing that too. Tom Brady's overmatched, and he's taking, un, he's taking I don't want to say unnecessary risks. He's taking risks, though, that he wouldn't normally take because he's forcing it and trying to help a bad roster win games they do not deserve to win. Here's the first example. December 9th, the New England Patriots were playing the Miami Dolphins. Right before halftime, the Patriots have the ball in scoring position. They're in the red zone. If Look, it's, I think it's third down. And if they don't get this conversion, they just kick a field goal. We go to halftime. The Patriots get another three points. We saw a really weird play before halftime. Tom Brady had the ball. No one was open. And instead of throwing the ball out of the back of the end zone, like you would always do, a veteran quarterback, you don't take a sack in the red zone. Tom Brady, with clock expiring, with the time expiring, without a timeout, instead of throwing the ball out of the back of the end zone, he holds the ball, he slides around trying to find more time and attempts to throw a touchdown and got sacked. And because of the sack, the clock ran out and the Patriots were not given time to attempt a field goal. That cost the Patriots three points. The Patriots lost 33-34 to on a miracle last-second play. And that was a difference in the game. It was that sack in the red zone right before halftime. Something that Tom Brady never does cost them the game. Yes, you can argue other stuff, but that was a huge critical moment. Tom Brady doesn't make that mistake in the red zone. Not normally. Unless Tom Brady's pressing. He's making more mistakes than normal. Why is Tom Brady making mistakes in the red zone? He feels like he cannot afford to kick a field goal. He needs a touchdown because his roster isn't good enough. That's not his job to determine, but that's what I think is happening in his head. Last week, Steelers-Patriots. Great game, by the way. Um, Patriots have the ball. Eight minutes left, and they are close to scoring. The Patriots are on the Steelers' 16-yard line. They're 16 yards from a touchdown. Second and 16, second and goal from the 16-yard line. Tom Brady's pressured. Instead of throwing the ball away or checking it down, the check down wasn't open anyways. He should have just thrown it away. Instead of doing that, though, he steps back, tries to scramble, throws the ball up along the right sideline, and it's intercepted. Nobody was open. Nobody was there. He's forcing it into an area that's not open. Why is Tom Brady making these mistakes? Why isn't he patient? Why isn't he throwing the ball away? Tom Brady's forcing it because he feels like he has to. He feels outmatched. He feels back into a corner. And he's trying to overcompensate. You can't save a bad photograph. If it's a bad photograph, no matter how much editing you do, sorry, it sucks. It's blurry. It's hard. You can't see it. Tom Brady's trying to do the same thing with the Patriots. You can't save the roster. It's over. I I love it. I, I love you, Tom. I wish you could. You're not enough. No matter how many risks you take, no matter how many bad throws you try to make over the middle, how many deep balls you try to throw, it's not going to work. You don't have the help you deserve. It's not Tom Brady's fault that the Patriots are struggling. And Tom Brady's trying to make up for the lack of roster balance, the lack of help. And he's throwing bad interceptions, making him look worse. Here's what's weird. Everyone wants to say Tom Brady's age is the problem. Again, his arm's fine. His legs are fine. Tom Brady's making uncharacteristic mental decisions, making bad decisions at 41 years old. A veteran quarterback doesn't do that unless there's a reason. They're pushing and they're pressing because they feel outmatched. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are outmatched on offense, and it's really affecting their franchise. Okay, um, water, first of all, obviously. We don't have a lot more left. I feel this is going well. This is going very well. We're 25 minutes in, probably 23 because you know how time works when you edit stuff out. Uh, really, again, here's how I edit the show. I cut the beginning. I cut the end. I just hit play. I don't like editing stuff out. Uh, I, I try to practice as if this was a live show. It's not, but someday again, my dream of dreams is to have a show on Twitch and to have a beefy PC and get to do a bunch of cool stuff. Right now we're basically recording the show onto a laptop and it's terrible and it's a pain in the butt. Uh, but someday I have great dreams and hopes for this show. I have nothing but time. I have two more years of college, maybe three. 
uh, if, if I go back to school, we'll talk about this later. Um, but look, I got I plan to do this show for a long, long time and just keep doing it and keep letting it grow on its own. I look at Tom Grossi, a guy who has the Packers podcast. I didn't know about him until I started doing this show, but I look at him and he's just been persistent for the last five years, continually doing it and doing it and doing it. And Tom Grossi's Packer podcast keeps growing and he just keeps making the show. And I'm going to keep making this show forever. And I think eventually my numbers will get big enough and I can do cool stuff with it. So the point of that was my dream someday is to do this show on Twitch. And I think we'll get there eventually. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to say filler. I'm just talking. It's, I'm trying to get away from the script more and just kind of be myself and share a lot of thoughts. Like this is not as, not as scripted as I normally do. It's not word for word. It's not a lot of stuff. It's like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. I want to describe a big moment that happens when I begin dating someone. Maybe happens to you. This is what definitely happens to me. It's a, it's a defining moment in a relationship for me. This moment tells me if it's going to work or if it's going to fail, if the relationship's going to work or not. Maybe four dates in, maybe it's one date, maybe it's a first date, I don't know. At some point, though, the girl you're seeing and I, girl you're seeing, the girl I'm seeing is going to go with me in a car, and I'm going to say, hey, can you give me directions? We need to find this restaurant. We need to go find your friend's house. We need to get to this location. Can you tell me where to go? I hand her my phone. She gives me directions. If it goes really well, it's a really good sign. If it goes badly, it's a deal breaker. For me, that's it. If she can't handle that, because it's a stressful situation trying to give someone directions. You have traffic. Maybe you miss a turn. Maybe you're running late. How do you handle that moment? Are you calm, cool, and collected? Because if she freaks out, I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to put up with someone who can't handle giving directions. It's, it's a big deal to me. Like That's a kind of a defining moment. It shows me how you deal with stress. A defining moment is coming up for the 49ers quarterback, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, by the way, has a cool story. He's a undrafted second-year quarterback out of Southern Mississippi. He started the season as the third-string quarterback for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, the starting quarterback, got hurt. C.J. Beathard got hurt, gave Nick Mullins his chance. Nick Mullins dominated when he got his chance and has never looked back. Nick Mullins lit it up against the Raiders. He's been the starting quarterback for six straight games for the San Francisco 49ers. Right now, Nick Mullins is the backup quarterback in the 49ers franchise. And he is exactly what I would want in a backup quarterback. Nick Mullins is perfect. I think I really truly believe Nick Mullins is going to have a long career as a backup in the NFL. Kind of reminds me of Case Keenum, Nick Foles. I say Keenum weird. Nick Mullins, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Nick Foles. They're all kind of in that same realm. They're good backups. I wouldn't build my franchise around, but I like them. Here's why. Nick Mullins executes. He just executes the offense. No more, no less. He does his job. He's highly coachable. And look, he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He really does his job. It matters. He's a positive influence on the locker room. He's unselfish. That's what you need in a backup quarterback. And if the 49ers starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, struggled and left, I would say still don't build your franchise around Nick Mullins, but keep him around. He's a valuable asset to the 49ers franchise. Now on the surface, because early in the season, Jimmy Garoppolo did struggle, the 49ers starting quarterback, he had kind of a rocky start to his season. On the surface, it might look like Nick Mullins is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Because, let's be honest, Nick Mullins is doing what Jimmy Garoppolo didn't. Nick Mullins is executing the offense. He's not doing more, not doing less. He's putting the car in drive, driving it down the street, and doing all he needs to do. Jimmy Garoppolo is like driving a car, trying to do backflips and drifting. It's like, dude, you don't, you don't need to do any of that. Drive the car straight. That's all Jimmy Garoppolo needed to do. He was forcing it, trying to do too much. That's what cost him. I, I think truly that Jimmy Garoppolo was... I think feeling the pressure of a big contract, feeling like he needed to live up, trying to show that he's not a system quarterback, and all those factors played into why Jimmy Garoppolo had kind of a bad like start to the season. But let's talk about Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has had success. He's six games in. He's three and three as a starter. Ten touchdowns, six interceptions, a 64.5% completion percentage, and... uh much of Nick Mullen's success is in the play design. It's the way that Kyle Shanahan's offense works. 
often Nick Mullins throws to his first read. And uh, there's not a lot of passes from Nick Mullins over 10 yards. I hate to say it. It's true. He's kind of a, a dink and dunk, little simple reads. But it's not bad. He, he does exactly what he's expected to do. He executes the offense. I mean, honestly, Nick Mullins is an example of why Dak Prescott needs better coaching. Dak Prescott's a far more talented passer than Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has an average arm. He can't run. He's not as good a quarterback as Dak Prescott, in my opinion, from a strictly athletic ability standpoint. If you give Dak Prescott Kyle Shanahan, he would skyrocket, as it tells me. But look, Nick Mullins has earned his role. He's done well. He's not struggled. He's driven the car down the road and executed the offense. But it's, it's pretty easy to do that in Fort. I don't want to say easy is not the right word, but it is something that quarterbacks should do. You execute the offense. You're not doing a lot of complicated reads. You're often throwing to the first person you throw to. You're not throwing beyond 10 yards very often. Kyle Shanahan's offense creates a lot of easy completions. It's a fun stat. I want to talk about playerprofile.com. Great website. It's fantastic. What they do is they track deep ball passing attempts. A deep ball, according to their metric, is a pass longer than 20 yards. And if you look around the league in the NFL, start with Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins averages 1.7 deep balls per game and 6.8 yards per throw. So he's throwing one deep ball per game. That's Nick Mullins. Sometimes, every once in a while, Nick Mullins takes a giant risk and throws two deep balls a game. Woo! Now, Andrew Luck averages 4.1 a game. 4.1 deep balls a game. That passes over 20 yards. And Nick, sorry, Andrew Luck's average distance for a pass travels 7.8 yards. So about 8 yards, 4 deep balls a game. How about Phillip Rivers? Phillip Rivers, 4 deep balls a game, little over 8 yards. Tom Brady, I expected to be lower numbers. Maybe Tom Brady and Nick Mullins might be comparable. Tom Brady throws more than four deep balls a game. He also throws over eight yards per throw. Baker Mayfield, five deep balls per game, over nine yards. Here is the takeaway. Most quarterbacks in the NFL throw about four to five passes over 20 yards a game. And the average is about eight or nine yards per throw. Nick Mullins is way below the NFL regular numbers. He throws about one deep ball a game. It's only one pass over 20 yards in every game. And he averages just under seven yards per throw. That's not good. What that tells us is Nick Mullins is not throwing the ball deep downfield very often. He's not. He's kind of dinking and dunking, making, taking advantage of easy completions in the secondary. That's why I say that Nick Mullins' defining moment is coming up. Remember that thing I talked about where eventually, at some point, you got to give your girl her phone, and she's going to give you directions. That's a defining moment in the relationship for me. Nick Mullen's defining moment as a 49ers quarterback is coming up on Sunday. On Sunday, the 49ers play the Chicago Bears. And look, I do not, I do not expect the 49ers to win. It's not going to happen. But I want you to watch the way that Nick Mullins plays. How does he handle pressure? What happens when he's not allowed to just dink and dunk underneath all the time? Because at some point, Nick Mullins is going to need to throw the ball beyond 20 yards. He's going to throw the ball downfield and make a play if the 49ers stand a chance. Can Nick Mullins do it? Can he handle having bodies all over, getting hit as he throws? He's getting hit by arms and legs, and he's getting knocked around in the pocket. Can he handle that moment? I don't know. Personally, I think that Nick Mullins is a backup. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I would not build my franchise around Nick Mullins. I love the guy, though. Great backup. I want him in. If I'm a 49ers fan, you should want him in your franchise for a long, long time because he's a fantastic, wonderful backup quarterback. But Nick Mullins is going to have to throw the ball downfield and deal with a messy pocket. So again, the 49ers-Bears game is not about the 49ers winning. How does Nick Mullins handle the Bears defense? It will be a defining moment for Nick Mullins. Does that girl give you good directions? Is she calm? Maybe maybe you miss a turn, but I'm not saying she needs to do well. She doesn't need to give you the perfect... She can maybe screw up a turn, but does she freak out about it? Does she get mad at you? Does she yell at you? Nick Mullins can't freak out. He might not win. He might not even play great. But does he throw the ball downfield? Does he attempt deep passes? Does he handle pressure well? This will be Nick Mullins' defining moment on Sunday against the Chicago Bears, where I'm curious how he plays. All right, um, 
I got I to gotta rest my, my mouth, my throat, I'll be honest. Uh, in a minute, we're going to talk about a couple teams I think could make it to the Super Bowl. We will talk about Drew Locke and Nick Foles. I don't know if there's a place for Nick Foles to go. Everyone's talking about where's Nick Foles going to sign next year. A couple people have at least. And I look around at the future prospects in the NFL. I don't think there's anywhere for Nick Foles to go. We'll talk about Tyree Jackson, the Buffalo quarterback, the University of Buffalo quarterback. We'll talk about Jim Harbaugh. And we will finish the show later with, uh, it's not pick six. I'm just going to go through six games I find really interesting. It'll be fun. So remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Help me grow by telling your friends about the show. Uh, look, we're 37 minutes in on the counter, probably 35 minutes into the podcast. I got to take a breather. My, my throat is cr- killing me, and uh, I just got to gotta take a break. So my name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, first, I got to say, there's no way that anyone should ever talk to themselves in the room for 35 minutes straight. It's just, that's not, it's so bad for your throat. I always, like, I, by like the 35th minute, I'm like, I can't talk. It, most podcasts to go this long without breaking, you know, have a, a, two people talking to each other as a conversation. I just talk like a madman by myself, man. I hope you guys respect it and enjoy it. I want to now talk about Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson is a quarterback. From the University of Buffalo, he's 6'7", 245 pounds. I mean, you look at the guy, you first you think of Cam Newton. And everybody has asked me to talk about Tyree Jackson. All my followers, they, they're like, Tyree Jackson, I get a bunch of... Fine, I will give you some thoughts about Tyree Jackson. I'll be honest, I haven't looked at him as much as I want. I've looked at three of his games. It's Akron, or Akron, um, Akron, something and something. I don't, even, I don't remember the games. I don't, it doesn't really matter. I watched some of Tyree Jackson playing. And... I here's the thing that I think matters with Tyree Jackson. The guy has an incredibly strong arm. This is what everyone's fallen in love with. They love Tyree Jackson's gigantic cannon for an arm. I look at Tyree Jackson and I am reminded of Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser, a former Notre Dame quarterback that had a bunch of potential. He looked like he looked the part. And then he got him on a football field and he couldn't throw. And he didn't understand defenses very well. And he really struggled in Cleveland. And they booted him out, drafted Baker Mayfield, the rest is history. Tyree Jackson is not ready to be an NFL quarterback. He's going to enter the NFL draft. But that doesn't mean he should start anytime soon in the NFL. He's way too spotty, has ugly mechanics, but he does have a cannon for an arm. It matters. And now it's overstated a tad, right? He's got a huge arm. He can cut through the wind in Buffalo. He's great for a cold weather city. He he does have a great arm. Like if I'm in Denver, I'm drafting him in seventh round. That's what I would do if I was Denver. But he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. Even everyone gives they talk about Josh Allen. They talk about Patrick Mahomes, and they say Tyree Jackson is in that same ballpark, and he's not. Patrick Mahomes lit up college football. Did incredible stuff with his arm. And Josh Allen has far better mechanics than Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson really hucks the ball. I don't know how to put it right. But his mechanics are all over the place. It's not fair or valid to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. Now, he can throw really far. He can throw really fast. That's great. But there's a lot more that goes into playing quarterback than just having a giant arm. Remember, Jamarcus Russell had a huge arm. Ryan Leaf had a huge arm. Ryan Leaf's one of the biggest busts in NFL history. Those are two biggest busts in NFL history. Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell were terrible. But they had huge arms. So don't tell me that Tyree Jackson's huge arm is why you should draft him. It's, eh, that's not true. It's not why he's going to make it. Maybe you should draft him, see what he can do, right? It's, it's incredible his arm strength, but that's not enough anymore. You got to be precise with the football. And when I watch Tyree Jackson, I do not see precision. I see a guy who makes some really wow throws. He makes some really head scratcher throws. He makes some throws that are like, how did you skip that in the dirt? Like It's never like bad. It's never... Tyree Jackson doesn't throw the ball into triple coverage. He just misses all the time. And you go, oh, man, this guy needs help. And he played in the MAC at Buffalo. And I don't know about you guys. The MAC is not prestigious, high-level football. That could work both ways. Maybe that means he never got the great offensive coaching he needed. And maybe he goes to the NFL, works with a good quarterback. He's a backup for a couple of years, refines his mechanics. Comes out a far better quarterback. Maybe he does become an NFL franchise quarterback. I don't know. 
but he also played in the MAC and did well in the MAC, and that could just mean that he played against really bad talent. So let's slow down on Tyree Jackson. I like him. I would actually, certain franchises should draft Tyree Jackson. I think that, I think the Panthers should. He's a great Cam Newton kind of prototype. Um, I also just am fascinated in Denver. I would draft him. Why not? What do you have to lose? Draft him, sign him, who cares? He belongs in Denver. He belongs in Buffalo in a place that could really take advantage of that arm strength where he can cut through the wind like no other. But you got to fix Tyree Jackson's mechanics. You got to teach him to understand defenses. What I saw was very basic level concepts and a lot of just, hey, Tyree, you can throw the ball 70 yards. Why don't you do that a lot? (laughs) And so I'm not sold on Tyree Jackson as an NFL quarterback. Um, He had a 55% completion percentage in college. Look, he's not awful. And and I like him as a person. I follow him on Instagram. He's a super fascinating. He seems like a great guy. Him and his girlfriend have a good relationship. Uh, but Tyree Jackson, the NFL quarterback, mm, I don't know. Actually, what I'd love to see happen to Tyree Jackson, I would love to see Tyree Jackson end up in the AAF, Amer- uh, Alliance of American Football. That would be fantastic for him because he could really maybe actually get some playing time, develop. Uh, I think that would be a fantastic fit for Tyree Jackson. Otherwise, I don't really know what to make of it. Let's talk about Nick Foles. Uh, we're going to talk about Drew Locke and Nick Foles in this segment. I don't know if I don't know how they'll work together, but we'll, I just have some notes and we'll, we'll go through it. It's interesting. Um, first of all, you got to say this: there are eight teams in the NFL that are likely going to draft a quarterback in this draft class in 2019. The Jaguars need to replace Blake Bortles. He sucks. It's over. The Giants need to replace Eli Manning. He's old. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could draft a quarterback to replace Jameis Winston. He's been a mess. He's been had all kinds of off-the-field issues. But they do owe him a bunch of money, so maybe they keep him around. I don't know. The Chargers are going to have to get somebody to eventually replace Phillip Rivers. That could happen in this draft class. The Broncos are definitely drafting a quarterback. They have Case Keenum, who doesn't cut it. He's not enough. And he's worse than Andy Dalton. Like He's not a starting quarterback. He's a high-level backup. But you need to get another quarterback in Denver. The Bengals, I think, could draft a quarterback. I love Andy Dalton. Actually, I don't. I think Andy Dalton's not very good. And it's time for the Bengals to move on from Andy Dalton. I like the person. I don't like him as a quarterback, and I would move on from him if I was the Bengals. The Patriots are probably going to draft a quarterback because Tom Brady is 41. And I, I see two more years with Tom Brady. I think he has one more good year at least. And after the, if he has a good year next year, and then his, and his, after his first bad season, he's done. So no matter what happens, I think we have at least one more year, good year out of Brady. And he'll have one good year and then maybe a bad year. Maybe two good years and then a third bad year. But I think we're going to get... The way it's going to end for Tom Brady is going to have a bad year. And the minute Tom Brady has a bad year where he can't make throws he wants, he's done. He's at least two years away from ending his career, in my opinion. But the Patriots should start drafting quarterback now to prepare for that eventuality. I think the Dolphins are the eighth team that could draft a quarterback. We've been waiting for Ryan Tannehill to pop for years, and it's just never quite happening he keeps getting injured he's never quite good enough I think the Dolphins could draft a quarterback where does Nick Foles fit into all of this you know a lot of people have I've heard rhetoric that it's either draft a quarterback or go get Nick Foles as if Nick Foles is a a potential franchise quarterback he's doing well and with Eagles he was Super Bowl MVP last year he came off the bench as a backup won the Super Bowl at the Eagles he's doing it again appears this year playing really well as a backup he just beat the Rams And my problem with Nick Foles, I I love the guy. I think he is the best backup in the entire NFL. We'll get to that in a minute. But there's nowhere for him to go because he's not going to get paid like a rookie. He's He's going to want more money than Philadelphia will offer him. And nowhere else can afford that. The Buccaneers have to pay Jameis Winston. They can't pay Jameis Winston, a rookie quarterback, and Nick Foles. And the Jaguars have to pay Blake Bortles. Whether they want him or not, they got to play Blake Bortles $21 million next year, and he doesn't have an out till the year after that. So the Chargers got to play Phillip Rivers. The Bengals got to pay Andy Dalton. The Patriots have to pay Tom Brady. There's not a single team that needs a quarterback that can also afford to pay Nick Foles. And now, here's why Nick Foles is the greatest backup in the NFL. He's incredibly unselfish. Not only is he pretty talented, he can come in, win a Super Bowl. I mean, he can play really at a high level off the bench. I would not build my franchise around Nick Foles, but he's the best backup in the NFL. But it's not just his ability to play. He's unselfish. Nick Foles wants to help the next quarterback up. 
He doesn't care about playing. He doesn't care about the fame, the fortune. I'm sure he wants to make money. Let's be real. But he doesn't care about all that. He wants to win games and help however he can. And the Denver Broncos drafted Drew Locke and had Nick Foles off the bench. I could not think of a better scenario where two guys with similar talents could help each other grow and develop as quarterbacks. Nick Foles is a perfect mentor for a young quarterback. Maybe his best fit is still mentoring a young quarterback, Carson Wentz, in Philadelphia. I don't know. But I really look at Drew Locke. Drew Locke is a perfect fit in Denver. And the dream scenario is Drew Locke and Nick Foles helping each other develop. and Because Nick Foles understands Drew Locke's paradigm. I love Case Keenum. Case Keenum and Drew Locke are nothing alike. Their arm strength is not similar. Drew Locke and Nick Foles are guys who have rockets uh, for arms. They just have incredible arm strength. And they would work really well together because Nick Foles is unselfish. He would support the young quarterback, Drew Locke. Ideally, if you're going to draft a quarterback, you want Nick Foles as your backup because he will help develop your young quarterback. Again, unselfish is the word. Andy Dalton's not going to help a young quarterback. Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Case Keenum, they're not going to help a young quarterback. They've got their own careers to worry about. Nick Foles is an anomaly where he doesn't care. He just wants to win. He wants to help his team. That's the best backup in the NFL. The next problem, though, is there's not a single place for Nick Foles to go. Because every team that has a quarterback and might draft a young quarterback. The Giants might draft a young quarterback. But they still got to pay Eli Manning. You can't pay Eli, Nick Foles, and another rookie quarterback. You can't afford that. So I don't know where Nick Foles is going to go. But sadly, I don't see room for him anywhere in the NFL. It's very weird to me. It's just a very weird, unique situation. Here's what I would do. If I was the New York Jets, I would go get Nick Foles. I would promote Josh McCown to quarterback coach, keep him there, bring Nick Foles in to help Sam Darnold develop. And I I really, I want Nick Foles on my team. If I am a quarterback, if I'm a team with a young quarterback, I want Nick Foles in my locker room. That's a good guy that helps people that cares about his teammates. He wants to be a good teammate first. And that's almost all you can ask for from an NFL franchise. Nick Foles is a perfect quarterback to mentor a younger quarterback. Let's talk about Drew Locke. Drew Locke is the best fit in Denver by far. Maybe the best way to put it is that Denver is the best fit for Drew Locke. I've talked about Drew Locke going to New York, that it might be good for Drew Locke because he could play with Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley and get mentored by Eli Manning. He's got at least another year left. He doesn't seem like he's going to retire anytime soon. Although he should, ability-wise, he's not there. But maybe Denver's actually a perfect spot for Drew Locke. Drew Locke does not appear to be Dwayne Haskins or desired the same way Justin Herbert is, which means that Drew Locke could slide in the NFL draft all the way down to Denver, who has a mid-level, like 14th, 13th, 15th overall pick. If that happens, Drew Locke is a perfect fit in Denver. Actually, it'll make Broncos fans uncomfortable, but Drew Locke is a perfect fit in Denver for the same reason that Jay Cutler was a perfect fit in Denver. He's got high-level arm strength that can cut through the wind and the weather in Denver. Now, the Denver Broncos also have Case Keenum for one more year on contract, which means that Case Keenum can play. Drew Locke can sit on the bench and learn how to become a quarterback. That is what Drew Locke needs. The Broncos are also going to get another coach. We've seen reports that the Broncos are going to fire their head coach at the end of the year. That bodes really well because they can go get an offensive-minded head coach who can help develop and build around their young quarterback, maybe Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke is a perfect fit in Denver. Okay, uh, we have options. We can talk about Super Bowl, Harbaugh, or the six games. I think I'm going to do Super Bowl last because it's the most confusing topic. I kind of I, I prepared it and just it's just bouncing around. It's eighteen. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Nine, ten. It's a lot of teams that have a chance at a Super Bowl, and I'm kind of just going to bounce around my thoughts. So we'll go into Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, if you don't know, for whatever reason, I always talk about him all the time on my podcast. Jim Harbaugh is the Michigan Wolverines head football coach. And I keep hearing rumors that Jim Harbaugh might go to the NFL. It's not going to happen. Jim Harbaugh loves Michigan. He's got a great gig in Michigan. There's no way that Jim Harbaugh would leave 
Michigan for the NFL. Because, again, Urban Meyer just got fired. And a floodgate has opened. And maybe the Red Sea has parted. Things are looking really good for Jim Harbaugh. It looks like he can dominate the Big Ten for the next couple of years with Ohio State possibly out of the way. It's time for Michigan to come in and step in and win the Big Ten. And it'd be really weird for Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan right now. He came to Michigan with a mission. And if he left now, it would be abandoning your Michigan, your mission halfway. It'd be very weird. I wouldn't understand it. He's also about to win. If Jim Harbaugh wins big at Michigan, his value as an NFL coach goes up. He can make more money. He can have more leverage. He can have more power in the organization he goes to. The higher value Jim Harbaugh is, the better it will be for his NFL prospects. The only job, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, that I would even consider leaving Michigan for would be Cleveland. I know it's weird. I never would thought it, I would say that. But Cleveland has a great young quarterback, Baker Mayfield. And how exciting is that, by the way, that the Browns' job is now attractive because they have a great quarterback? I never thought I would say that in my lifetime. I'll be honest. I, I, if I'm a coach, a potential NFL coach, I would want to coach the Cleveland Browns because I would want to work with Baker Mayfield. He's building something. He's got a great rapport with his teammates. Maybe Jim Harbaugh would leave for the, the Browns. Here's why. If Jim Harbaugh doesn't leave for the Browns, he waits two more years. Where in the NFL is there going to be an opening with a good quarterback in two years? I don't know. I don't I don't see a I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. I don't foresee a better situation with a more interesting, stable quarterback than the Cleveland Browns, honestly. Because you're gonna need a bunch of rookie maybe Sam Darnold in two years, but he's gonna get a coach now. And I would rather play with Baker Mayfield than I would rather coach Sam Darnold. I'd rather coach Baker Mayfield than Sam Darnold. Is Justin Herbert going to get a new coach in Jacksonville in two years from now? Like, I, and I don't want to bet on Justin Herbert being better than Baker Mayfield. The only job that would attract me if I'm Jim Harbaugh is the Browns. Because if I want to go back to the NFL at all, this might be the right time to go back. But then you look, okay, well, if he was going to go back to the NFL at any time, waiting for the right moment... Why didn't Jim Harbaugh go play, go coach for the Indianapolis Colts? Because he had Andrew Luck. That's the perfect opportunity to go jump into NFL head coaching. So long story, I guess the long way around of saying that is, if he didn't leave for Andrew Luck, he's not going to leave for Baker Mayfield. And I don't think anytime soon that Jim Harbaugh is going to go back to the NFL to be a coach. I just think he has a great situation in Michigan. He's weirdly, now that Ohio State's out of the way, he's weirdly secure with his job. And I, I just don't see any move anytime soon back to the NFL for Jim Harbaugh. <clears throat> Super Bowl or six teams? Let's flip a coin. So this is, this is a if you're look if you're listening to the podcast, I have a, a bottle cap. The flat side is heads, the bottom side is tails. I'm gonna call, call heads. It's tails. Oh, but I gotta match it up. So. <laughs> As a terrible radio. I'm going to go Super Bowl is heads. So we'll do it again. Heads. Still tails. We're going to talk about the other one. So in the NFL Week 16, there are six really fascinating games. I want to start with the first one that has my attention. It's the Titans and the Redskins. In each division, in the AFC and the NFC, 12 total teams get into the playoffs, six from each division. Right now, that unit's necessary information. Right now, in the AFC, three teams are eight and six. The Colts, the Rams, and the Titans. They are all vying for the sixth and final spot in the AFC playoffs. That is why the Titans need to win this game. The Titans have to beat the Redskins in order to keep their playoffs hopes alive. Now in the NFC, the Vikings are seven, six, and one. The Redskins are seven and seven, and the Eagles are seven and seven which means the Redskins also must win this game on Sunday to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Titans-Redskins is a great game because it has actual real playoff implications. Whoever loses is probably out of the playoffs for good this year. If I'm you and you're curious, tune into the Titans and the Redskins. There are real playoff implications from this game. Now, it's also it's going to be a battle. It's going to be scrappy and ugly. I think the Titans have the advantage because, remember, <laughs> the Redskins are on their third, third fourth quarterback? Third or fourth quarterback in weeks. Yeah, it's it went from Alex Smith to Colt McCoy to 
Mark Sanchez, now Josh Johnson is the Washington Redskins quarterback. It's not. It's really, really ugly. And I think the Titans have a better quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Their starting quarterback, at least, is in the game. The Titans will probably win this game. Now, the Ravens and Chargers is a very fascinating game in the NFL Week 16. The Chargers are 11-3, and and they can still win their division. They just got to outlast the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC South. And the Ravens have to win because that will keep their playoff hopes alive. They're 8-6. and six. Whoever loses between the Colts, the Titans, and the Ravens is behind in the standings and probably not going to make the playoffs. So the Ravens have to beat the Chargers to keep their playoff hopes alive. And the Chargers got to win to keep their hopes of having a first-round bye alive. Now remember, in the AFC South, the Chargers are 11-3. and three. The Chiefs are also 11-3. and three. And the Chiefs play the Seahawks on Sunday. Seahawks are 8-6. and six. They are right now the fifth seed in the NFC in the, in the playoffs. So two, two playoff teams are playing each other on Sunday, the Chiefs and the Seahawks. That really matters because the loser of that game, well, if the Seahawks lose, they're in a bad place as far as NFL standings, playoff standings. And if the Chiefs win, so if the Chiefs lose, excuse me, if the Chiefs lose and the Chargers win, I think the Chargers are going to beat the Ravens, then the Chiefs would lose their home field advantage in the playoffs and have to play, not only would have to not get a bye week, they wouldn't have a home field advantage in the playoffs. They'd have to go into, into LA to play a playoff game. That's not good at all. And I don't know how you'd host a game in LA. I have no idea. But because I have friends that have worked at that stadium, they say it's a nightmare. It's tiny. It's a mess. I work in television and football. It's, it's crazy down there. Chiefs Seahawks game is really, really mad. It has great implications as far as the playoffs go. And the 49ers and Bears does not really have a lot of playoff implications. The Bears are a lock, as far as I'm concerned, to make the playoffs. And the 49ers are not going to make the playoffs. The 49ers are terrible. But here's why you should tune into the Bears 49ers. Watch how the 49ers quarterback, Nick Mullins, handles the Bears defense. This is his defining moment against the Bears. How does he handle a pass rush? Does he throw the ball underneath all the time? Does he ever stretch the field, go down, go beyond 20 yards? I don't know. Watch the Bears and the 49ers because you're curious how Nick Mullins plays. That is a storyline to pay attention to between the 49ers and the Bears, an otherwise meaningless game. The Texans and the Eagles. Implications abode be here. It's fantastic. The Texans are 10 and 4. They lead their division. They also have the number two seed in the AFC. And if they win, if they win out, they get home field advantage in the rest of the, in the playoffs. It's fantastic. They get a bye week and they get a home playoff game. Now, the Eagles, who are playing the Texans, are 7-7. Seven and seven. They are in the playoff hunt in the NFC. They have a backup quarterback, Nick Foles. It's going to be fantastic, fun, interesting. Tune in to the Eagles and the Texans. The Eagles need to win more. The Texans are maybe a slightly better team. Eagles-Texans, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Two games left. The Browns and the Bengals will be fun. It's the Browns' final home game of the year. There's been drama all week about Baker Mayfield saying, Come to the game! And the game sold out, so it's going to be intense. A fun atmosphere in Cleveland, and they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, who have Hugh Jackson, their former head coach, on staff. So Hugh Jackson, former Browns head coach, who started the year as a Browns head coach, going back into Cleveland for his final game against the Browns. Drama galore. It's going to be a ton of fun. And finally, the Vikings and the Lions. This game should not matter. The Vikings are 7-6-1, and one, and they just got to win out and they make the playoffs. But it's never that easy, is it? <laughs> to keep the Eagles and Redskins at bay, the, the Vikings need to win, and I don't know that they can. The Vikings go 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. They're going to really hurt their chances of the playoffs, and the Lions play the Vikings well every year. It's in Detroit. It's a division game. I'd be very wary of the Lions-Vikings game on Sunday. I think maybe it's, I don't think it's Saturday. But regardless, this weekend, Vikings, Lions could be an upset. Pay attention to how the Lions play the Vikings this weekend. I don't know. In my gut, my gut tells me that the Vikings are struggling. They've got a new offensive coordinator. It's kind of a mess. They're going to try to run the ball really well. And division games are always a little bit dicey. The Lions might beat the Vikings this weekend and ruin their playoff chances. Okay, last topic of the day. I think there are four there are four teams I feel good about winning the Super Bowl. There's two kind of wild card teams, and I think the Bears are close. So we'll start with this. 
Two teams I do not think can make can win the Super Bowl. Two teams that I do not believe can win the Super Bowl are the Rams and the Patriots. The Patriots are out. They don't have good enough receivers. They couldn't beat the Bears right now. They're really struggling. They have penalties. They're undisciplined. They have a great head coach. And apparently he's he's not even making a difference because they had 14 penalties on Sunday last week against the Steelers. I'm worried about the Patriots. I think their season is probably likely over. They'll make the playoffs. I do not think they could win a Super Bowl this year. The Patriots are out. Now the Rams. The Rams are 11-3, and but their defense is struggling. And the bigger issue is that Jared Goff can't handle people around him in the pocket. A messy pocket really, really affects Jared Goff. Bodies around him, hitting his arm, hitting his leg, hitting him as he throws. His accuracy falls off a cliff. His decision-making gets worse. And for that reason, I'm out on the Rams. I do not think the Rams can win a Super Bowl this year. Now, we added a new team this year, uh, this week. I believe that LA Chargers can win the Super Bowl. I've been really, really hesitant with this team. I've said, ah, let's wait and see. And we've waited, we've waited, we've waited. And in my opinion, the Chargers have proven themselves a team highly capable of winning the Super Bowl. Especially now that the Patriots appear to be out. The Chargers, in my opinion, have elevated. Great quarterback, Phillip Rivers, an MVP candidate. Solid defense, great offensive line. And Anthony Lynn is a guy that, look, he's unproven. Nobody really would have believed in Doug Peterson before he won a Super Bowl. But this might be the year Anthony Lynn proves himself as a great head coach, worthy of your respect in the NFL. I respect the way he's coached the team the last two years, especially fighting out force, especially motivating them to fight back when they go through struggle. I respect the Chargers. I think they could win the Super Bowl this year. That's one team that could win the Super Bowl, the Chargers. The Bears are close. All oh, the Bears. I just don't. My problem with the Bears, I love their defense. I love, you know, they're better than the Jaguars' defense was last year. Last year, the Jaguars carried an average quarterback to the Super Bowl to a game away from the Super Bowl. I think the Bears this year could carry an average quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, to the Super Bowl. But I do not believe the Bears can win the Super Bowl because their weakness is their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. They could win one playoff game, maybe two playoff games. But I don't think the Bears can win three playoff games and the Super Bowl. And so... For that reason, I do not see the Bears winning the Super Bowl this year. I like them. They're a great story. I love Khalil Mack. I would love to be wrong about the Bears, but I do not believe the Bears can win the Super Bowl this year because their quarterback right now is a handicap. Three teams I think can win the Super Bowl. The Rams, sorry, the Steelers, the Saints, and the Chiefs. Those are my three. So my, my four teams that can win the Super Bowl are the Chargers, the Saints, the Steelers, and the Chiefs. I told you this segment was going to be a mess. Those are my four teams that can win the Super Bowl. And there are two teams left that are worth considering, but I don't know that can. I don't feel strongly about them either way. I think you need to consider the Eagles. They could likely win a wild card spot. And they're still incredibly talented from last year. If the, if the Eagles make it into the playoffs, they could win the Super Bowl because they have a great roster. And Nick Foles has proven last year. I don't know if he can do it again. But he proved last year he can do it. And who am I to doubt Nick Foles after what he did last year? But the Texans is a really hard team to judge for me. Because I, I have not watched enough of the Texans to know. They're super interesting. They're quietly 10-4. and four. They are the number two seed in the AFC right now. They have a home playoff game and a bye week. And I wonder if Deshaun Watson's ability to run... How would that affect a playoff game against the Chiefs or the Steelers? Could the Texans make a run out of Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, and that, I just I don't feel comfortable either way. I don't I, I don't normally I normally pick a side. I don't like being on the fence, but I don't know enough about this team. I don't have enough of an education on the Texans to say, yeah, they could win a Super Bowl, or no, they could not win a Super Bowl. So right now, I put the Texans on hold. My four teams that could win the Super Bowl are the Saints. The Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Chargers, because they all have a great offensive line, a great defense, a great head coach, and a great quarterback. The Texans are on the bubble. I just don't know. I'll do more research. I'll go back to you in the future. Could the Texans win a Super Bowl? I don't know. I think the Eagles are a wild card team that could potentially do it. I think the Bears are close, but will not because of their quarterback. They could get there, but remember, Rex Grossman got to a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean he won a Super Bowl. Mitch Trubisky's not good enough to win a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. I think the Rams are out. I don't believe in their quarterback. Their defense isn't good enough to carry their quarterback. And right now, Jared Goff is really struggling in a messy pocket when he gets hit. 
Therefore, I do not think the Rams can win a Super Bowl. And I love the Patriots. Tom Brady is my favorite quarterback of all time. But they do not have the tools you need to win a Super Bowl. The Patriots will be overmatched. And it could not beat a team like the Bears. They couldn't beat the, the Saints. I do not believe the Patriots will win the Super Bowl this year. They'll make the playoffs, but that's it. And uh, guys, that's all I have. My throat hurts again. <laughs> We're an hour, 15 minutes in on the counter. It's probably like an hour, maybe an hour, uh, maybe 55 minutes on the podcast counter, but I don't know. My voice hurts. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the show will be back on Tuesday, and I think it's going to be much, much better. Um, look, I've had a crazy week. I moved into a new room. Haven't done a podcast in a week. My voice really hurts right now. It normally doesn't hurt this badly after a podcast. I'll do it earlier in the day so that my family's not around and freaking me out in the background. Um, so... <laughs> Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Help me grow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Sharing it with your friends would be a huge help to me. And uh, again, thank you so much. This is my favorite thing in the world. And uh, I just am so grateful you listened. But um, bum bam, we are done. Bye.